You're listening to I Am Here. Today, I am joined with Victoria Rogers from the Broadswords. Hello, Victoria. Hello. How are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm so excited to have you here and talking to me on uh, my podcast that does not have a name yet. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) On insert show name here. (laughs) Yeah, so you are the GM for a show called Broadswords, which I am halfway through and I adore it so far. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And the Broadswords is a D&D 5e actual play. Mm-hmm. Let's just start with that. Tell me tell me about the Broadswords. Tell me, why did you start it? Why did I start it? Yeah. I was listening to actual play podcasts and I thought, you know what? I could do this. This is something I can do. This is something that would be fun to do because my my husband, Kevin, he's a musician um, so he, he's in multiple bands. So about three, maybe sometimes four days a week evenings, he's out doing his band thing. So I needed a solid hobby. I was writing and stuff like that, but it didn't quite get the itch of what I wanted to do. So I thought, you know what? Let's create a podcast and let's score it and let's do sound effects and let's like go all out. Just why not? Let's make a production. So I did. But it's, that's perfect. <laughs> I wanted to, so I did. Yeah. I love that. So you were already listening to some actual plays. Um, yeah. Was there some influence there or any particular actual play that especially inspired you? Oh, definitely. Of course there was. I mean, The Adventure Zone was like the first big actual play podcast that I got into. Like I I was watching like Acquisitions Incorporated. I didn't so much listen to their podcast. I didn't I thought it was the podcast was poor quality to be honest. And there was even at times they were eating on mic and I I just couldn't handle that. But the show, like when they had live shows, they were great. So I was really into them and when I caught up with everything, I needed something else to listen to. And so that's when someone said, well, you should listen to The Adventure Zone. So I started listening to The Adventure Zone. And at first I just thought, mm, I'm not so sure about this. But then it, it really opened up and it became this big, huge story with music and, and, and characters. And it became very cinematic. And I thought, this is, this is really fantastic. And then I was like, well, I need something else to listen to now because I'm all caught up and I have to wait every other week for a new episode. <laughs> uh, so that's when I I think it was on Reddit, I heard about Dice for Brains. And so then I just started listening to Dice for Brains. Went, Dice for Brains, these guys are great. And here's another another podcast that's using music and using sound effects and, and having people really role play. And I thought, Yes, this is what I want to do. So even when actually I gathered my my crew together, I said, everyone, listen to Dice for Brains. <laughs> listen to them because this is this is kind of the approach I want to take. Not entirely like them. I still want some table talk, 
but not a huge amount. Right. Like, we, we need to keep it minimal because that's boring otherwise to anyone else. No one cares <laughs> about our stupid little jokes. You know, just keep it, keep it on point for most of the point. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. Those are two excellent podcasts. The breadth of storytelling that both of those encompass mm-hmm. is like a fantastic place to get that inspiration from. Yes. And that that's why I'm drawn to them in particular is because of that story. They really think about not just going along and playing a role playing game of, okay, let's do this adventure. Okay. Now we're off to do this quest and now we do this. No, it, it's, it's a story. Right. And, and that's what that's why I personally play role-playing games is because of the story. So I think that's why I gravitate towards those uh, types of podcasts and why I wanted to create one as well. Oh, I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. But there's something special about really story-focused RPG actual plays because they're creating the story together live. Like, obviously, yeah. you're not getting it in your ears live, but, you know, yeah, it's like... it's improv. It, it's all improv, and so it allows for a different kind of magic. Mm-hmm. You and your crew are really, really good at it. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so you started listening to The Adventure Zone and Dice for Brains. Had you already been playing RPGs before you started listening to some of these podcasts? No, I definitely played RPGs before I started listening to them. I started playing tabletop games like when I was a kid, probably about 10 years old. Awesome. Yeah, my mom actually, my mom brought home, it was like a board game slash RPG by, I think it was Milton Bradley, called uh, Hero Quest. Okay. And it was awesome. Okay, I so I was like, like I was a kid. And I, I'm the eldest of three. So she brought this home and it was really, I think she bought it more for my brother, but something that we could all play kind of like as a family together. But I really loved it. And what it was is like the board was essentially like a dungeon map. And as the GM, you could make your dungeon look however you want with it. And it had all the minis and it even had like mini doors and mini furniture that you could put all in there. It was like this self-contained dungeon that you could move around and create different stuff. Yeah. And then, and then of course you had your heroes. They were pre-generated heroes, but they had all their stats and their abilities and their weapons and you had dice and you go through this dungeon. And uh, my mom was the GM. (laughs) What a fantastic, like, inspiration. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. So, like, how did, I guess, like, how did you make the jump from being 10 and playing this tabletop role-playing board game thing with your mom as your GM to playing games with other people or or was there like a continuous line or was there like a break where you didn't play anything? Well, I soon like early, I think it was like early teens because this was, pr- this is early 90s, so pre-internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was like a, on a BBS because my dad knew that I was into that sort of thing and I read all those kind of books and and fantasy was something that I, I really dug. So, so my dad said, oh, there, you know, I have a coworker who has a BBS and they play Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and they said that you could play with them. And I was like, oh, yay. Okay. So I did that for like a little bit. 
So, it, I mean, it's very slow going when you play on a BBS, <laughs> but you know, that was fun. And then in 1995, internet became available here in town. So we were one of, I remember we were one of the first kids in my class to get internet because my dad just really liked technology. He thought like the internet and computers were cool. So he made he actually, I think he even took a night course at the community college in computers just so that he knew how to work it all. And I remember when he brought our first desktop or first uh, PC home and <laughs> taught us how to use DOS and everything. But anyway, so BBSs and then like chat rooms. So I played on, I think it was the Go Network. They had a... a um a chat room that was called, which is hilarious because it was called RPG games. So <laughs> role-playing game games. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I think like the WBS network bought them out. And anyway, and then it became the, the name of the chat room was In of the Weary Traveler. Um, and I played in that chat room for years. <laughs> like, I still keep in touch with two people that I met through that chat room. That is wonderful. Yeah. The one I have more contact with than the other. The other, like, we on we're only on Steam and we'll occasionally message each other. But the other one, we even have each other on Facebook and, you know, we'll, we'll talk to each other on there. Yeah, so I still have internet friends from D&D &D and chat rooms. So this is a deep-seated and quite a long-term love affair that you yeah. have <laughs> with RPGs. Yeah, it is. I think in high school, I only really did Dungeons & Dragons online. In person, it was, we played some Cyberpunk 2020 and, okay, this is, you, you want to hear a deep-seated, very... I'm kind of embarrassed about this secret. I do. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> this is the 90s, okay? So first off, we, we, this is the 90s. So, and I was in high school. I LARPed Vampire the Masquerade. Oh my God. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, yep. <laughs> So it's not going to be a secret anymore when I release this no, app unless not. you want me to My actually cut that. My shame is revealed. <laughs> I, I can cut. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Everyone can hear my shame. <laughs> yep. Oh, I was you pretty know what? cool. No, own it. Own it. That is, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then in university, I actually did not play a huge amount of RPG games. I worked a lot in university as well as school. I just, quite frankly, if I wasn't at school, I was at work. So, yeah, so I, I didn't really have time to play RPGs. But, I mean, I, I went to school for classics in university, so study of ancient Greece and Rome. So, definitely, I was still immersed in myth. Like, I'm no wonder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can totally see how that affects your storytelling, like the... The mythology and the mythos in in your world. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a um, inspiration. That's awesome. So so let's backtrack a little bit. Did your mom GMing for you was is that something when you look back on it? Is that something that really stuck with you in terms of like women can play RPGs, women can GM, or did those sorts of things just never cross your mind because you were already immersed at such a young age? Yeah, those things never crossed my mind. And that's actually something 
in my house growing up, I was never really told, no, you can't do something because you're a girl. I remember at one point, because my friends were in brownies and girl guides and stuff, and this this is like 80s and 90s here, so, and I, I wanted to be with them as well. And my mom said, no, it's sexist. She wouldn't, she wouldn't <laughs> allow me to be in them. I mean, they've, they've changed a bit now, but at the time, particularly if you were like brownies and girl guides, it was all about sewing and crafts and like, you know, stereotypical female gendered things. And she said, no, we're not going to put you there. If you want to learn how to sew and stuff, that's great. I can put you into classes and you can learn how to sew, but I'm not going to put you in an environment where you're going to learn that that girls should behave in a certain way. Like my my Barbies drove Tonka trucks. Your mom sounds like an awesome feminist who I want to be <laughs> friends with. <laughs> yeah, it was never it was never even really talked about. It was just if you want to do this, okay. Let's do it. She she never said no about those sorts of things. She was just very encouraging about whatever you wanted to do. Okay. So many women who I've talked to in RPGs, you know, their boyfriend or their husband or their insert male friend here introduced them to RPGs or mm-hmm. they never felt like they could GM until they saw other women GMing. I'm so encouraged by your story of not having that because there are obviously stories like yours out there, but we don't hear them as often. And so I think there's just so much negative connotation for when women were first trying to get into RPGs and Mm -hmm. what they experienced that those tend to overshadow the wonderful stories like yours where your mom is the one who is your GM and got you into it and it just was never a question for you that it was a place for women. Yeah, it, it was. It's never been a question for me. It's like I have every right to play as much as anyone else does, and I'm a very vocal person. And I've been called a firecracker more than once. Uh, so I, if I ever am confronted with sexism, and I am, I'm pretty vocal about it, and I don't accept it. And if anyone tries to give me grief over it, well, they know where they can shove it, in my viewpoint. So I'm I'm very I'm kind of aggressive in a lot of ways. <laughs> so um I'm blunt. Yeah. I I don't <laughs> I don't mix words when it comes to that sort of thing. So I mean, yeah, I've I've experienced stuff and you know, even just recently I've I've started a table for new players at a local gaming store and I I really want to gear it more towards women or people who would otherwise be uncomfortable because I I know a gaming store can be uncomfortable right. for some people especially I think with women I mean there there are certain stores that I feel more comfortable going into than others. There are other ones that they're kind of darker inside and it's just rows and rows and rows and rows of like Magic the Gathering people and they're they're all dudes and then when you walk in they all stop and they turn and there's about 20 dudes all looking at you. Yes. And you're like I just want to buy dice or a rule book or something like hi 
I, oh gosh, I made the mistake of going into a store. It was the middle of summer. It was like 90 degrees outside Fahrenheit and it was really humid and gross. So I was just like wearing like a little tank top and shorts because it was gross outside. And I I had actually just recently walked the dog and the store's near my house. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to run in and I'm going to, I think I was looking for a new battle mat. Never again. I am never going into that store in shorts and a tank top ever again. Uh, it was very uncomfortable, very awkward. So, I mean, there, there are situations that I still deal with like that. Right. But I don't feel that I don't belong there. It's a difference of questioning whether or not it is a place for you versus knowing that it is a place for you and experiencing the in-person kind of mm -hmm. uh, sexualization that can occur when you go into a venue that is perhaps more male dominated and whose patrons are typically male. Mm -hmm. I think on the on the topic of those game stores, what's sad about it is because women experience those sorts of things in game stores, they don't go to game stores, which I means know. that when other women visit them, they don't see other women. So, mm -hmm. so it's like, I'm the only girl here. And then you get those looks and then you're like, I don't want to go back there. I'm just going to order online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's why at the store that I am running the table at, um, it is a store that's very brightly lit. And um, there's two women who work there. Wonderful. So I I chose them specifically when I approached, when I wanted to approach uh, stores to see if they had a table available that I could run. Right. I, I really, I went to them first because, because of those reasons and because I really wanted to, the last two years I've really been focusing uh, GMing for new players and I, I wanted to run a new player table specifically for women or anyone else, really. But my table has now three women, two, two men. They're all new players. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah, I chose that store in particular because, because it's brightly lit. The bathrooms are not down some weird hallway. They're right there. And... Women are already there working, so it, it feels safer. Yeah. And the venue, too, has such an effect on yes. on safety. Because you're right, when you have tall rows and rows of books and dimly lit, there's no natural light, you can't find the bathrooms. And when you do, they're like in a weird area. Yeah, they're down this weird hall that's also got like stock sitting yeah. in the hallways and stuff and there's like that shifty buzzing single light bulb <laughs> yes <laughs> flickering um, and you're like are mm -hmm. we playing a call of cthulhu game here yeah. <laughs> yeah like it definitely immediately even if you're visiting the store to like buy just like a, a game book or something when you are in a place like that you're like oh <laughs> even though i see that they're advertising for like new game night or whatever, I'm not going to come here <laughs> yeah. because it's too dark and weird and scary. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because uh, like my husband, I mean, he's, he's a wonderful person, but when I mentioned that to him at first, he kind of looked at me like, what? Like you, you even took that as a consideration? I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, like, don't you, when you like, it's, it's called safety. <laughs> I, I'd rather not be in a place that's dark and dim yeah. and full and of men. And it's something that we're used to thinking about as, yes. as women. Yeah. So I, I think that's amazing that you're doing that for new players who are interested and want a space that is more welcoming and is more physically welcoming as well. Yeah. Well, I think if we want to bring more people into it, we need to do that. 
Yeah. And it's not going to happen if I sit back. So if I want to see the community that, like, if I want to see an inclusive and safe gaming community, then I need to help contribute to make that happen. That's perfect. I think that that's exactly it. And I think that that's something that we all need to do in our various spaces is in the space that we have influence over trying to make it as inclusive and accessible of a space to whomever, regardless of, you know, who they are, what their background is, or who they love. Is it being just a place where anybody and everybody can be and not lose their identity or feel like they have to change their identity or shift their identity to feel like they fit. Mm -hmm. Which is something that a lot of women in gaming I've heard about. Like I have a friend who for years played MMOs, but always played a guy and always used like a pseudonym on her online games Mm. pretending to be a guy. Yeah. Because she was like, nobody will take me seriously if I don't. Mm. And that's sad. That is sad. I um I have never done that. I've been very I've always been unapologetic about my femaleness, but uh I understand why people do it. Right. And and I think that what we should aim for is is being able to be unapologetic. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have it quoted on my site, but Emily Incenda from uh, She's a Super Geek, um, when I talked to them two years ago when I launched RPG Casts, I I interviewed them at the time. Mm -hmm. And they said this beautiful thing was, here we are unapologetically existing in this space. And I want everybody to be able to say that. Yeah. I say something similar, but it's not as eloquent. Uh, what, what I'll say is you deserve to take up space. You have every right to take up space. So take up that space. Yes. And I, I, <laughs> I maybe take up a little too much space sometimes. <laughs> no, <but>. no, never. <laughs> <laughs> when you started the broadswords and were putting together an all female cast, were you thinking about the importance of it being an all-female cast, or were you thinking about how that might inspire or affect listeners who who come to your show to listen to as like, oh, it's an all-female cast. That's something that I want. That's something that screams me. Because when I come across an all-female cast, I'm like, yes! <laughs> like, you know, like I just want yeah. to put the gif of Gimli and like the deep like excited like yes that he does in that scene (laughs) well at first actually i sat on the idea of me making a podcast for probably a solid six months and it was me just trying to figure out okay who am i gonna get to do this with (laughs) like who who's gonna play this with me and i i kind of broached the subject to my husband and he was kind of like wishy-washy and i i understood that because I mean he's already in a whole bunch of musical projects and then I thought oh I I don't know who I would play this like do like I I have people that I can play games with but it's who would be good on a podcast because those are two two different things so and I had criteria everyone had to have a unique voice because there's nothing worse than listening to something that in an audio format where <laughs> everyone has similar sounding voices and you have no idea who's talking. Yes. <laughs> so everyone had to have a unique voice. And then just like one day I was just talking to some of my online fitness nerdy buds. And I said, hey, do you guys want to make a podcast? 
<laughs> and they said yes. So we did it. So it, then it was very much a yes, let's, let's, since we're all women, let's, let's make this unapologetically all women. And how about that becomes our platform? And so we, we discussed that a lot and we discussed, okay, so let's, let's actually play D and D from an intersectional feminist perspective. Let's actually turn some of the tropes on their heads and let's, let's look at monsters like a hag, for instance. A hag is traditionally just a woman who has become this hateful, spiteful, horrible person and becomes a hag. So I want to look at stories of like, well, how does that person become the hag? What has to happen to this person that they become such a horrible, awful person and have it kind of like a, the story of the of the hag is not so much as, as a monster, but it's a tragedy. Right. Let, let's do this. Let, let's look at let's Let's look at this perspective. Let's play it from a feminist perspective, but not in a pedantic, preachy way. Right. Let, let's lead by example, but not beat people over the head with it. Right. So, so that's what we decided that we were going to be doing. And yeah, so we did. And then I settled on Rashomon because, I mean, that's the perfect setting for this. It's, it's a country ruled by a bunch of masked women. Yeah. So I thought, no, this is perfect. This is great. And there's witches and berserkers and spirits roaming the land. Like this is like a really cool place. Let's 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 explore this place because it's a setting. It's an official setting, but there hasn't been a lot written about it in the last couple of editions. I think <laughs> like the last truly thing that's ever really been written about it is like 3.5, I think. So let's let's explore this setting that not a lot of people play in or even really know about. Right. The broadswords definitely, I think, captures what you're going for with that feminist perspective without the pedantic hitting you across the face with it. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm glad we're pulling it off. <laughs> y- you are. Because it can be a fine line. And yet, and yet, I adore that you you still embrace femininity because mm-hmm. often I shouldn't say often because that's a generalization, but sometimes I've seen where people where individuals are trying to portray feminism, and in doing so, they reject femininity. Yeah, they they reject those those roles or or just those interests. Yeah, I think that that you do a wonderful job at that. And I'm really, really enjoying that. Oh, well, thank you. And I think that that really means a lot and speaks volumes to women who haven't felt like D&D is a place for them or Mm -hmm. like RPGs are a place for them. So I think what you're doing is just so important. And the way you're doing it shows it is telling this story from this perspective that you don't get from other D&D podcasts. Uh, yay. But a lot of mythos and storytelling and both in in our real life culture and in gaming culture, storytelling was done by men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And therefore is a male perspective. And so The Hague is such a great example because you have this ugly, deformed, hateful angry person who perhaps is there's no explanation of why she is that way she's just a monster now yeah 
this is a fantasy world and we're the writers, really. So yes. we can make it whatever we want it to be. But it's especially exciting to be the writers as yes. women and to tell our stories. You know, you're talking about the problems in fandoms sometimes. And you think about how Carrie Gygax said that D&D wasn't for women. Mm-hmm. He, he outright said it. Like, he, he didn't beat around the bush of his opinions there. Like, he nope. really did not believe that this game he was creating was a place for women to no, be. No, apparently women d didn't play games. We weren't interested in games. Yeah. Games weren't for us. And that couldn't be further from the truth. We, we wanted to play them. We just were excluded. So you're telling these stories from a decidedly feminist perspective mm -hmm. that is something that we don't get to see in podcasts, at the very least in mainstream. You know, you look at some of the big, you look at some of the biggest stories and the, the biggest like RPG mainstream podcasts that are mm -hmm. going on, and they are lacking in the female perspective. Oh, they, they are. I love the Adventure Zone. I adore it. And I think the McElroys do a really good job at recognizing their biases and addressing mm -hmm. their biases. And they're, they're good at that. Mm -hmm. But they don't have that experience. They will never have that experience. So how can they right. tell stories from that perspective? And I don't think we have a big hit like Taz. <laughs> yeah, where, where women shine. Yeah. Um. I mean, I would love to be that big. <laughs> uh, I would love for you to be that thing too. <laughs> and I, I think, think I think there's a lot of wonderful and amazing women who are doing amazing things yeah. like you're doing. And I think that that you have the potential. We're very early stages, right? Of course. And it'll take time to build up that kind of following if we ever do. But I mean, we're gonna try. Because why not? What so so what? So we don't succeed, but we still have an awesome podcast, and we have people who listen to it and enjoy it. it, it it's a win-win situation. So I mean, the McElroys with with Taz went into it with already having their names known yes. and already they having had that an upper hand and yeah. having that audience. They um, they had you know with Polygon and um, my brother, my brother, my brother, and me. And me. <laughs> yeah, I, the, between the two, uh, they they were already well established. Right. So I think that there's a lot of potential for a lot of female-focused stories to get to that level. They don't have those same kinds of audiences built up or already established. Mm -hmm. And yet we know that those audiences are there. The, the audience are there. And it's interesting because like, in my interactions on social media, I mean, I, I interact with a lot of women and, and I interact with a lot of non-binary people, but I interact with mostly men on Twitter and a large portion of our audience are male, which is interesting, and, but which is really great. I love it because what we're trying to do is like lead by example and show how you can play a game and be inclusive and not have to be carry on the, the some of the tropes, the problematic tropes and traditions that a game, let's say, that D&D does have. Yes. And, and how you can go about sensitive topics without going too far. Yes. Or, and how to deal with them respectfully. So so I'm glad that they're listening. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And, and the whole highlighting women and non-binary people 
in these sorts of forums isn't about excluding men. It's about no. telling our stories mm -hmm. and inviting them to hear them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the, one of my favorite things to say is inclusivity does not limit the stories that you can tell. It opens up the possibilities. It allows you to have more stories than you would have had before. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I can't say much more than that. Like, yes, that's, uh, that, it's so true. So, so actually when you were talking about, you know, you're still able to be a strong woman, but still embrace things like bath bombs and bath oils, um, a la Yuleri's, um, we, we embody that in our regular lives. Right. Um, cause, uh, Kristen, who plays Ularis, um, and Tracy, who plays Keela, they're both competitive power lifters. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Bianca, Bianca's like more into bodybuilding, but she, she's just for herself. She doesn't compete or do anything like that. That's awesome. These things are not mutually exclusive. Like we are, we are such complex beings. We are more than just femininity. Mm hmm. Yeah, we can be a whole giant mishmash of things. Yeah. I, I, I like playing D&D. &D. Um, you won't see me. I don't play a lot of magic users. Okay, that's a lie. I, I love warlocks, and I think warlocks <laughs> are really fun. I love being a beefy tank, though. But yeah, God, uh, my, my half-orc barbarian is one of my favorite characters. <laughs> uh, she's so much fun. I, I very rarely play supportive characters i i don't they don't come naturally to me <laughs> they they don't at all <laughs> oh that's okay though different people have different strengths and being supportive isn't one of mine <laughs> <laughs> but as a gm you are extremely supportive oh yeah in that respect yeah in that respect as a gm it, it's fun i because because our the broadswords crew they're all new players oh really yeah they've oh that I, must be so much fun they've for never you. played before yeah so it, it is a lot of fun and they've taken really well to it and for for new players i think they've got like a pretty good handle on role play and stuff and they're and they're getting into it more and more and more now too which is exciting me and i have to say it's it must be interesting from their perspective because their first real like role playing experience is coming from making an actual play podcast because let's face it an actual play podcast isn't quite the same as when you're playing at a table with your friends oh, of course not the amount of table talk yeah is quite diminished um it has to be otherwise your editor is going to want to murder everyone <laughs> so if you edit i mean there are some actual plays that are literally just actual play honestly i don't listen to those i can't i don't have i i don't it's not, it's not that I don't like what people are doing. It's just... I like a little bit of rolling and I like a little bit of table talk, but I don't like an obscene amount of it. No. And you know what? With editing, you can speed that up too. So yeah. while the person is doing their math, <laughs> you you can cut that out. Yes. And, and it's like in, instantaneous rolls in 15. You know, you're not doing the, oh, what's my, what's my ability modifier? Oh, yeah. Um... Okay, that is that that fifteen. 
You know, right. you, you can cut all that out. Yeah, exactly. So their perspective is as players is, is a little different than a lot of other people, I think, because they're learning to play this game in an environment where they're expected to be very quick. They have to be quick. And, uh, but I think that'll make them stronger players when it comes to playing at a table with people. Oh, agreed. And I think that that will also have a huge effect on like what kinds of games they play because yeah. with being quick at adding the numbers and figuring out the rules and everything and being so good on their feet with improvisation, that means a lot of more like heavily story focused games that yeah. aren't as mechanic heavy, they're going to be really good at as well. Yes. And hopefully, yeah, I, I'll be, I'm really interested in seeing how they are now going out and to the world of tabletop RPGs. I know Kristen has really just run with it. She's now running a game for friends. Um, she's run a game for her family. And her family were hilarious because she was messaging me the progress of their character creation and all that stuff. And I think her, her brother wanted a tiger, a pet tiger mount that he could <laughs> ride around. And his mom thought it was like a competitive game. Oh my gosh. <laughs> her, her mom thought it was a competitive game. She didn't really understand. And like, I think what they ended up doing is they went into a town and they ended up setting fire to the town and like murdering people. And, <laughs> and Kristen's like, this is my family. Like, mom, <laughs> like, what are you doing? I love that. Uh, yeah. Um, oh. And then I know Bianca, Bianca's hilarious because she's just like, I have no idea how to play any of this, but I'm going to run a game for my friends anyway. <laughs> and she just starts running a Pathfinder game. She's never played Pathfinder ever in her life. She hasn't even read the entire rule book. She's like, well, I'm just going to start a game. Yeah. So is D&D your jam or are there games that you want to play but have never had the chance to play. Um well I have the the core rule book for Star Trek Adventures and okay. I really 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 want to play that game. You're a Trekkie and you you told me that you like Janeway. And yeah. I like Janeway too. She was my first Star Trek captain when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, uh, she well cuz like when she was on like I was like 15 16 17 right, right. so that that's very definitive definitive years so she for me was like the captain that I was watching on television and I grew up where television was limited like my mom limited how much television we oh, yeah. watched uh so the fact that I actually took the time every week to watch Star Trek meant something. It was Star Trek and Xena. <laughs> Star Trek and Xena. And then Hercules too, when it was on, but I, I made sure that I watched Xena. But yeah, those are my two shows as a teenager. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Janeway, she's, she's my favorite captain. The one thing that I love about Voyager, though, is the character relationships. The interrelationships between all the characters. I thought because these characters were stuck with each other, no matter what, really, um, I thought there was some very interesting dynamics that was able to happen. And I, I found that they were able to explore these relationships between these characters more than other 
other series. And sure, the whole Borg thing kind of Deus Ex Machina, but I mean, they had to get home a lot earlier than 75 years anyway. (laughs) And no matter what they did to get home, it was going to be kind of silly. Oh, of course. It it was going to be. Well, I mean, ultimately, Star Trek just is kind of silly. It is kind of silly. I actually, I got to meet Kate Mulgrew, I guess now two years ago. And so in 2016 at, uh, in Toronto at a con. And so I went up, you know, to get, get, get her autograph and it's my turn. And I'm like, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, growing up, it was so lovely to see a woman in power on television. And, and, not only were you a woman with power as a captain, but you weren't sexualized. You were just a woman. You you were you were the captain. And and I loved that. And she was very kind and she she looked at me and she said, Wait a second, hold on. Teenager. You you don't look old enough to be a teenager <laughs> when that was on television. I'm like, well, no, no. I was a teenager. And she was very kind. Um, but yeah. It was very nice to meet her. And I think that's the sort of thing that, you know, you talk about how important it was seeing a woman in power on television for you in your formative years. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's the importance of not just television, but but podcasts and RPGs, like seeing and hearing women. Yeah, being out there. Taking up space. Exactly. Taking up space. And, and it goes to show those two shows that I said, it was Xena. <laughs> And Voyager. Right. And it doesn't matter that Janeway was super cheesy. Um, So for me, it was just like, I was watching it as well. I guess I didn't think of it in the same kind of like eloquence that that you perhaps did in terms of like, seeing a woman in power was so important to you, and you could recognize it in the time. Mm -hmm. For me, I was just like, oh, cool, a girl. Yeah. (laughs) Because I was like 1011 when she first appeared. Uh, as Janeway. Um, so it was still important to me. I think I just didn't realize like the the reason that it was important. Mm-hmm. I always gravitated to stories with women who said, I'm going to be in power. <laughs> um, uh, so like all of my favorite books as a girl growing up were all about girls with swords and who slew dragons and refused to be rescued. They could rescue themselves. Thank you very much. I want to be them. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Victoria, for coming on and talking to me today. It was amazing hearing your story and hearing why you game and what you love about gaming and hearing all about the broadswords which is an amazing podcast and anybody listening should check it out so i i so appreciate you coming on and talking to me no thanks for having me this was a lot of fun (laughs) thanks yeah it was but thank you very much for having me I Am Here podcast, presented by RPG Casts, is made possible by listeners like you. You can help keep the show going, get sweet excess bonus content for as little as $2 a month when you become a patron on Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash RPG Casts 
to check out exclusive rewards for patrons and make your pledge. I Am Here is a production of RPG Casts. The intro and outro music was composed by Emily E. Mayo. Special thanks to Peter Grelly for designing the graphic art and assets for both RPG Casts and for I Am Here. Visit the website at IamHerePodcast.com for show notes, transcripts, and so much more. You can find more about RPG Casts by going to RPGCasts.com and follow on Twitter at at RPG underscore casts. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to I Am Here. It means so much.